Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! of the internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and my ungrateful co-host tonight is Brian Ashlock, coming to us from the depths of Florida. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Um, I mean, somehow more and also less optimistic than I was on the last show, but I'm here. Well, we do have a lot of painful things to talk about. Uh, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus, thanks to my sick child and everyone here being extremely tired, but we're back. Uh, before we get started, we just have a little bit of podcast business. Follow our new Twitter account, WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheelie Dealer Radio. Follow us on Twitter there. And also, don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, because we are wonderful and great, and we deserve your love and admiration. Uh, but yes, we have... A big show tonight because we have a new manager after what seems like several years of searching. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, a late of wolves, is Tottenham's new head coach. Uh, Brian, just gut reaction when you heard the news. I mean, I guess we have been kind of percolating for a few days, but given how our manager, managerial hunt had gone, it was no sure thing that we would actually hire him. So what was your thought when you heard he was our new manager? Yeah, I mean, my gut reaction was like, Okay. I, I, I think, you know, I nothing against Nuno. I, I think he's um, a competent football manager. I think he has Premier League experience. Um, I think, you know, he has, you know, uh, he has a lot of respect from, you know, the players that he's managed before. Um, he seems like a nice guy. Um, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not that excited by him. Um, I guess it's the kind of the same way as, you know, if you um, were conducting your managerial search and you wound up with Rafa Benitez or something like that. Like, <laughs> that's a good hire. Like, you know, okay, like he, he's he's done good things at good places. And Benitez obviously has a better CV than, than Nuno, but, well, you know. Not, not, not recently. Sure. But it's just like, is that is that something that, like, as a fan base, you're like, Wow, we're gonna be amazing now, uh, and we're gonna do cool stuff. And like, well, at least at least Nuno hasn't hasn't coached uh, Arsenal. So, it's true, that so, is true. So we have one leg up on Everton at least. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I I don't know. I I I think the thing to me is it's hard to divorce this hire from the process that got us here, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Because if we had made this hire on, you know, May 28th or whatever the last day of the season was, June 5th, whatever, and we hadn't done all the stuff we've done for the last month and a half, I think I'd be, you know, mostly fine with it. I, I feel like I'd be much madder about this hire, this particular hire, um, if, I, we, if I, we'd I mean, done it know. right after the season. Like, I... I 
You told me, like, I don't know about you, when we fired Mourinho, like, part of the reason that I was excited about it, not only was like, can we get our ducks in a row and hire someone good, but it was like, okay, well, let's get someone we can dream on. Because you get Mourinho for, like, short-term accomplishments, and then he can't deliver that, so, like, what's the point? You've seen what the ceiling is. So when you hire, you know, you, you want to hire someone who's like, you can dream on a little bit or there's some unrealized potential and whatever Nuno gives us. And I think maybe it's different than what we've seen at Wolves. But, you know, I think we, I mean, my thoughts on Nuno, and maybe I'm wrong, is like, we, he's, he is what he is. And it's not, there's not untapped veins of potential there. It's just, you know, maybe he'll do a different job with different players. I think it's entirely possible, but... I just don't think, you know, we're going to see him progress the way we saw Pochettino progress with us. Or even a guy like Harry Redknapp, who I wouldn't have thought would progress with us. So maybe that maybe that's an example in Nuno's favor. Like, Redknapp clearly progressed when he got to a team with more resources and better players. Um, I don't know. My thought on this is, like, you know, if I'm being generous to the club, and I don't think these are, um, this is entirely insane to say, you know, I think this was probably a harder managerial market than most of us would have assumed, especially when we fired Mourinho. I think there weren't a ton of great, or at least coaches that made a lot of sense for us out there on the market. And, you know, especially if you proceed from the assumption that we're broke, you know, I, I think that it was probably harder to hire a manager than we, than we all sort of assumed. And I think, and this may, may or may not be something you want to say in Nuno's favor, I don't think Nuno is a million miles away in terms of talent, at least at this moment in time, from where some of our other candidates were, like a, a Graham Potter, for instance, or a Fonseca. Like, I think, and I mean, I understand where Fonseca was and how we all felt when we saw his name, but, you know, I don't think he's a million miles away from those guys. I think what he's missing is, you know, I was talking about that potential, like, you bring a guy like Graham Potter in, and right now maybe he's about as good a coach as Nuno, or he's going to deliver the same level of results. But there is like a, you could at least dream on the idea that he's going to develop as a manager. That there's like stuff he has yet to do, and maybe that's just I'm over biased in favor of his youth. But you know, there's there's that kind of potential, or it feels like there's that kind of potential. Whereas you know we're getting a kind of finished article here, and you know I think it's. It's gonna be, he's Nuno's gonna benefit a lot, I think, in comparison to uh, Mourinho because it seems, by all accounts, that he is a decent guy. Uh, like all his former players speak very well of him. You know, I think he's professional. I think he's not gonna do insane things like bench Dali Alley for no reason. So we are probably gonna be a more coherent football club this year. But I'm not expecting him to get more out of this team than, you know, sort of, you know, what they are on paper, which is, I think, something that Spurs need to look for in a manager. They need to look for someone. You know, a team like Chelsea can kind of afford to, I mean, they shouldn't, but they can kind of afford to get someone who just, like, gets what you see on paper out of a team. Like, we do not have the budget to be able to do that. We need to squeeze more out of those players than than your, you know, sort of replacement-level manager can. And I'm skeptical he would do that. Uh, obviously, on top of that, he's got the ties to Mendez, which I'm very unhappy about. I don't like getting in bed with Mendez. Uh, but with be- between Paratici and him, it sure seems like we're doing that. 
I, I don't know. I, I find I think I'm going to be won over by his charm to a certain extent, and you know, especially if we start well, I think I'll be won over by the fact that we aren't like an incoherent defensive mess like we were under Mourinho. But it's hard to say that we shouldn't have done better, even when you consider that it was probably not the ideal managerial market, probably not the ideal um, uh, time to be hiring a manager, given that you know we're kind of COVID poor right now. Uh, I still think we should have done better. I think, you know, if I'm going to be charitable to Nuno, I think one of the things you can look at is you can look at he took a newly promoted team and took them to seventh place in back-to-back seasons, which includes the COVID season. And then this most recent season, the shine kind of came off of it. But, you know, he also sold one of his best players for big money to Liverpool. He lost their, you know, their main goal scorer uh, to, a, you know, a really bad head injury early in the season. And and he just kind of had to struggle through to, you know, and they wound up, I don't even remember where they wound up, but, you know, they, they weren't in the relegation fight. Um, they just didn't finish seventh again. Um so I think, you know, you can look at it and you say, okay, well, this guy is, he is also a young manager. He's like a year older than Potter. Um, and he sure doesn't look it. I mean, no, no, it's the beard. I think that's what It's definitely the beard. It's definitely the beard, yeah. Um, he's a year older than Potter. But he's, you know, been, he's been operating at a higher, I think one of the reasons I said it feels like there's not as much potential. He's been operating at sort of a high, like he's coached Valencia, he goes Porto, I mean, Wolves, obviously. Like, he's operated sort of a higher level where I feel like we've kind of sussed out who he is, whereas Potter has been, you know, Brighton is only recently in the top tier. So, I, I, sorry, not to interrupt you, Brian, but that's... No, but I, I mean, you know, I think... I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know... For, for example, Fonseca, who we did, he, we talked about at length on the last episode where we all kind of talked ourselves into it because we're like, oh, well, the things that he did at Shakhtar and, you know, the situation that he was in at Roma wasn't maybe the best. And, and I don't know that we're all kind of doing that with Nuno where because he's someone who was, you know, in the Premier League for the last three seasons, we've looked at him, we've looked at the Wolves team and what they've done over three years. We've just been like, meh. But it wasn't, like, he wasn't operating with, I mean, I guess he was operating with handicaps in terms of, like, it's a Mendez club, but, like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't swimming upstream in the way that Fonseca was at Roma. Like, he was on board with what was going on. Like, he was part of that process. Sure. Yeah. I, but, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are still more sort of structural and just... Um, kind of overarching hindrances to you if you are the manager of Wolves, if you are look even with a George Mendes connection to signing players and getting the things that you need, even uh, and that don't exist at a club like Roma. Um, you know, so I, I I don't know. I I'm gonna try like really hard to be open and optimistic about this. I, I'm like you. I think that his personality and the way he speaks about the club and speaks about football is going to ultimately make me be more on side with this. At least until um, the results 
start going. Right, because, I mean, definitely Jose did that to us in the first few weeks, you know. It's like, like, I think it was Alistair Gold who even said, like, his introduction video really reminded him of Pochettino's, and... You know, I think I don't think he's wrong. Like, I think I think you know that personality is certainly of that mold. And I think at least until the season starts, after a year of Jose Mourinho or two year two years of Jose Mourinho, however two centuries, however long that was, you know, it, it, it's fairly hard to like. I mean, whatever else you want to say about this guy, I mean, he came across as genuine. Like, you know, I mean, he, he's a money washer for Mendez, but it doesn't feel cynical in the way that. You know, Mourinho was like out for Mourinho, and I mean, partly because I don't think he's going to start throwing players under the bus, and you know, it's going to feel like he's out for himself, and the team is secondary. I, mean, it, I don't know. Yeah, on, in some ways, I think his greatest strength is he's. You know, it's it's we my friends and I always used to have a joke of, you know, it's like if one if one of our friends had a bad breakup, the next girlfriend was like sort of, she was like operating at an advantage because everyone. You know, if they thought so poorly of the last girlfriend, it's like, well, you know, everyone's predisposed to thinking well of the next one. And I think there's an element of that with with Nuno. It's it's just, you know, it's like he gives a nice, polite, you know, warm kind of message to supporters that comes across as genuine. And, you know, after, you know, even as charming as Mourinho could be, like, it's just a breath of fresh air after all the shit we dealt with from the last year. It's, it's kind of like what we had with Mason, where it's like, you know, like, oh, well, this is nice, and but that only takes you so far, as Mason demonstrated. Yeah, and I mean, I think, look, the thing is, he signed only a two-year deal, and if things go sour after one year, or we finish seventh or eighth again... Or Mauricio Pochettino can get fired. <laughs> yep, then then he's expendable. I, I have to imagine that he doesn't have a 30 million pound buyout. The way Mourinho did, like this is we're... extremely clearly easy to extricate ourselves from. If we yeah, feel like and I'm it. not saying that we will have to do that or we we will do that, but you know, you sign only a two year deal on a coach, you know, that's that gives you some outs and some options. For I'm guessing Nuno does not cost a lot of money, especially for Spurs, like. Yeah, especially I mean, for what I have we were no idea paying. What a good manager salary would be, but I can't imagine we're paying him. You know, even like what a third, a quarter of what we were paying Jose. Exactly. Um, I, I, what do you expect out of a? I mean, because I do think there is something to be said. I mean, there there is a bunch of stuff which is clearly getting leaked to the beat reporters about. You know, Levy really got sold. There's two things that Paratici has been talking about with. Um, with uh, Nuno, and one is adaptability, and it, and how he adapts to the team and adapts to the players, and like to me that is he was clearly sold to Levy is he's not going to randomly exile your players, he is going to use what he is given, which I know on the one hand can feel a little like insulting, on the other hand, like I think after Mourinho, that's something Levy probably did need to get sold on, and we all do know that one way or another, like. Nuno is a guy who plays ball with what ownership wants to do. And I think the other thing, like, there's all this talk about, like, well, they were fun to, like, you know, they played the way they played at Wolves because of their circumstances, and same with Porto, but, like, they were a fun team at Valencia, and I don't know, maybe there's, like, a level at which, I mean, you know, in theory, he's got, he's going to have a bunch of fun attackers with or without Harry Kane. I mean, I don't know. I, I, maybe he'll play a little more open and attacking style because that's what he has to work with. But what, what do you expect to, 
without getting into the nitty gritty of how he's going to use certain players. What are you What are you expecting out of Nuno coming to Spurs, like in terms of style of play? I uh, I honestly don't know because um, because I'm like you. I mean, is he going to play the three four three that he used at at Wolves? Is he going to play more of a a four three three that he used at Porto and Valencia? Like I I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but like you said, he he does give his good attackers some freedom to be good and do fun stuff. I mean, just look at the existence of Adama Traore, um, you know, and and Diego Jota to the before he left for Liverpool, same thing. So you know, I think our players like um, Son, like Delhi. Um, Harry Kane, if he's still here, they're going to get the opportunity to do fun stuff. And I think, you know, one of the things that um, that I liked about Wolves, especially when they first came up, is they seem to have, you know, a plan. And, and <laughs> isn't that a novel approach? Yeah. And so, you know, you saw it in the way that, you know, Doherty was able to be such a productive player for them. Um, and, you know, so the plan was, hey, all right, you know, the ball's on the left side. Doherty make, always makes this run to the far post. He's there for headers, for knockdowns, for whatever it is. And, like, he was a very productive, you know, right back for them. And I'm not saying we're going to have the same plan, but, like, we will maybe have a plan for attacking movement that involves players getting into the final third and the way the ball moves in the final third. It, I feel like we haven't had that for a while. Um, so, you know, and, and I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, how uh, defensively sound or pragmatic of a coach he is. And I don't know. I mean, I never thought of Wolves as being, like, particularly defensive. I thought they played on the counter a little bit, but that's because, you know, it's kind of what you had to do. And you had – they had a couple of really good passers in midfield and – Matinho and uh, Ruben Neves, and so you could just spray balls over the top or kick the ball to Adama and let him run at people. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I it'll be interesting. I honestly have no expectation or or inkling of how he's going to utilize these players or what will look like. That's a really good point about. Um... about this wolf style play which is you know like they you don't you didn't think of them as like stoke like, i mean that's uh, and, uh, as we're, as we're talking about that because i feel like we've kind of characterized him as a very defensive coach in the last few days and i think it's probably less that he's a defensive coach and more that he's not the most tactically innovative coach but you know like you said they weren't stoke but they also weren't blackpool <laughs> uh, so you know probably we're going to i mean we're going to see something with a game plan. And even if that's not as entertaining or has Spurs DNA, like Daniel Levy said, it is like the bar is very low. And I think as long as it's like working to some extent for a while, we'll probably be okay with it because Mourinho just was, had, you know, he just had so such a dearth of planning for the last, like however long and was needlessly exiling people. It just felt like we didn't know what the hell we were doing all the time that I think we're all going to be reasonably pleased with this. It's also worth noting that Wolves thought it got stale. Now, maybe it's just a product of, you know, a guy's there for a while, his message just gets a little old, but 
you know, I don't think that bodes well long term. But I guess you know, like you said, this is a two year hire. Uh, you know, very. My guess is it, it, it might not even be that. So it's not like this is you know we we've signed our manager for the future necessarily here. You're muted, Brian. So chalk that one off. Whatever you said, Nuno, a few minutes ago, and I let it go. But now N- you're Nuno. Espirito <laughs> um, <laughs> Santo. <laughs> Looking, looking at like just stats from last year, I mean, Wolves are kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of possession, kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of shots per game. They're, they're uh, I can't do math, sixth in shots conceded, um, ahead of, well ahead of us and Arsenal and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I think that he does do a good job organizing a defense. I'm, I'm really interested to see if he plays a back three especially because we probably only have one competent center back. Well, who knows? We're being heavily linked to two pretty interesting center backs, uh, one of which it seems like we're going to get this... uh, Let me see if I get his name here. It is... No, come on, that's the wrong window. Uh, Takahiro Tomoyasu, so out of of Bologna, who can play either center back or right back, depending on where you read. So it looks like he's a pretty flexible player. And then we're being linked with uh, Kunde out of uh, out of Sevilla, who is, I mean, if there's ever a signing, he's got to be the first name we've been linked to that makes me think that maybe we're shopping with the Harry Kane money in advance. Because that guy is excellent. And, I mean, the price tag that was floating around was 40 to 50 million euros. And I, I was stunned if he's available for that. And, I mean... You know, so I mean, those are two guys that would make our defense instantly much, much, much better, and I think we could easily cobble together a back three out of those guys and, and somebody on our roster currently. But I'm skeptical we'll get uh, we'll get Kunde at least. But yeah, I don't know. I, at a very minimum, I think we're going to find out if Doherty was like dealing with a bad coach or COVID last year. I mean, because if, if if Nuno can't get anything out of Do- out of Doherty, then you know he is definitely washed. So. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that's one of the players that you look at and think that, like, okay, maybe does he have a little bit of a new lease on life? Um, I guess my concern is, you know, what does our midfield look like under uh, Nuno? Uh, are we are we going to see Hoiberg, Dem, uh, Ndombele, and um, Lacelso all together? Are we going to see... Just toy beer again, Celso. Is he going to appreciate Ndombele? Are we going to, you know? I mean, he appreciated. I mean, it's not the same thing. I don't want to get too like down this rabbit hole. But he appreciated Adama. Like, yeah. I mean, who's not a midfielder, but he's he is a unique player who has odd skills for his position. Uh, you know, so I don't think he's going to rule him out just because he's a little weird. Uh, you know, honestly, it's it's kind of weird that you know we couldn't find a better manager because. We actually have a lot of midfield talent to draw on. I mean, between Skips, Hoybierg, uh, uh, Lo Celso, and Dombele. I mean, if we sign Sabitzer, Delhi. I mean, if you want to count him as a midfielder. I mean, there's a lot to work with there. And, you know, I, I'm at least confident that Nuno's not going to, like, randomly bench one of these guys. Like, maybe he'll have a rotation and favor certain players over others. But, you know, I think they're going to get used. And, I don't know, that's exciting at least. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, 
we have a manager, which is more than we could say for the last 60 days. It, it really looked like we might not have a manager on the first day of preseason. Yeah. <laughs> which it was, really looked like Ryan Mason's going to run physical training until we bring in, like, Rafa Benitez or something. Uh, I, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, we didn't really talk, you know, too in-depth about the whole how we got here from the Fonseca situation. Which was a mess uh, then. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, to go from, you know, we do a podcast where basically we're like, oh, yeah, Fonseca's our new manager. I believe that's exactly what you led with is we, Tottenham Hotspur have hired a manager. And it's Pablo Fonseca. And I think, what, 24 hours, 48 hours later, that was off. And it was, we were linked with Catuzo. No, we weren't just linked with Catuzo. It was, like, imminent. Just as imminent as Fonseca was. I mean, we had legal paperwork drawn up for Fonseca. We apparently had the same thing drawn up for Catuzo. I mean, I think it's impossible to, to, and I think it actually works to his benefit, in, in some ways, I think it's impossible to sort of de-link Nuno and the process which led to his hiring him, which is, which was a total mess. I mean, I think it was a mess when we hired when we it looked like we were going to hire Fonseca, but at least that just seemed like kind of a mess. You know, it turned into a full blood full blown catastrophe after we sort of like told him no at the last minute. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe there was a good reason for there were some rumors he was in the interviews talking about like I don't want to sign defensive players I we need to replace our attackers which you know is a fairly concerning thing to say when you look at sort of the attackers he has on demand here uh but you know like how again it's just like sort of how do you let the Conte thing get so developed if you know how do you let the Fonseca thing get so developed if, like that seems like an early conversation you would have with him uh like what do you think we need to do to the roster because these are our limitations uh, but you know like, that's bad enough that you sort of, like, walk away at the altar from a guy, whether the reasons were legitimate or not. But then, like, Gattuso, that's your, that, that's your like, your big plan. I mean, nothing made me more skeptical of Paratici than that. I mean, because we've been linked to fairly decent players. Like, this kid from Bologna looks really interesting. Like, it's it's cool that we're in for him. You know, Kunde's good. Uh, you know, we've, we've been linked with all these other guys. That, I mean, we haven't been linked with a bunch of stinkers, honestly. But Gattuso, like... Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a manager that has, you know, more name recognition than any of his coaching performance dictates. I think that's one of the guys you'd look at. I mean, it, it's it's very weird to me that, you know, it came out that he that uh, Paratici wanted him at Juventus before and then at least he's like an Italian name so at least there's like as much as a bad idea as it would have been there's at least some cachet in Italy for that but like there's yeah, none of that I don't over think here just being Italian I mean unless you're Andrea Pirlo I don't think just being Italian is enough to be manager there but um I don't know I it, it, it is it is very weird that he was even in the conversation for this well, job again like None of the like like you you put Catuso at a Serie A club like he at least has whatever else you want to say about him like he was an excellent player in Serie A for a very long time he's a World Cup winner you know he was on some excellent Milan teams I mean you know that is a guy who like you know it's 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 like John Terry walking into a room in England he just has a level of authority because of his success in that country and he doesn't have that in England and you know and then so you get past that. You know, he did a bad job at Milan, which, like, 
not necessarily a, a demerit considering how poorly run they've been. But he hasn't done a good job anywhere. He was at that. He had a pretty decent Napoli team. That he, I mean, had a very missed out on the Champions League in a very embarrassing fashion on the last day of last season against a team that he should not have lost to. And then you know you have this whole mess at Fiorentina. It's just like there's nothing to recommend the guy, and that's not even getting into, you know, the things he said about you know LGBTQ people, you know, women, minorities. You know, there's just there's, I mean, the guy, there is like I cannot think of a positive reason to hire him. Like, like what's the good thing about hiring Gattuso? Like, in Italy, I can say at least his name has some cachet over there that players might listen to or fans might respect. Outside of Italy, I can't come up with anything. There's no reason to hire him. I mean, the guy's not any good. He's in bed with Mendez in a way that was like clearly concerning. I mean, I guess that doesn't matter to us because we hired we hired Nuno, but it's just. You know, at least Nuno has, like, say whatever you want about Wolves, but like you said, Brian, he, he was successful at a Premier League club for a couple of years there. You know, he, had, he was decent with Valencia. Like, you know, I guess he finished second with Porto, which probably really is more of a demerit than a, an accomplishment. But, you know, at least I can, I can point to some successes in, in Nuno's managerial career. Like, I can't point to anything no, like worthwhile about Catuso. And that's the guy you want to bring in to run this club during a summer where... We are just we have absolutely taken it on the chin for months at a time where Harry Kane might be leaving us in, in a few months, in a few weeks. You know, like we have all these things going on and Gattuso's the guy you want to bring in to run things? Like, what the fuck? Like I, I don't understand. Like Daniel Levy has like I always thought Daniel Levy really took a lot of undue criticism from Spurs fans. And over the course of like I mean you could probably take it back to when we hired Mourinho, but certainly over the course of like this summer has like gone out of his way to prove all of his detractors right. It's it's been stunning our incompetence in this managerial search. Yeah, I, I I mean, just at every turn it was got somehow stupider. Like when you're like, uh, all right, well we finally figured out the guy. Like the long the long wait is over. We've got a manager. We can all kind of relax. And then it just got dumber every time. And I was pretty confident that it would happen again. Like, I was like, there's no way we're actually going to hire well, Nuno. There'll be a, something will come out. There'll be a way that this gets dumber. The press reports uh, were down on, like, I mean, there were rumors he was going to go to, I think, Fenner in in Turkey um, the day before. And then I think the morning of, a bunch of reporters came around on it. But it really, it did sort of, it looked like it was on the skids. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, it. Look, all this will be an afterthought if we go out there and, you know, start the season like a house on fire. Uh, Do do any of us think that's going to happen, though? Who knows? I don't know. I don't I mean, with with summer tournaments this year and, you know, all these players not having much of a preseason with the transfer market being super weird, like no real big signings have really happened so far um, other than business that got done like back in May. Um, I don't know. This is going to be a weird season and and I I wouldn't put it past Spurs or, or Everton or any team to really come out to, to start the season just 
weirdly well. I mean, you, how, how far into the season were we last year with Southampton was first in the table? Well, how far into the season last year were we first in the table? So Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, anything's possible. And, and, like, you know, results will always, always help. And, you know, it's in the way that the Mourinho results during the, the return from COVID, the, well, Project Restart, um, your favorite name for anything ever. Like, those results kind of gave us hope and, like, gave us something to look at and say, oh, well, maybe maybe we're actually going to do these things and maybe we'll be competent and coherent. Turned out that was wrong, but, you know, it, it gave you something to think about. And so, you know, the pressure's going to be on, you know, I mean, the pressure's going to be on whoever we hired to come out in these first couple months of the season and look good. I mean, and, I, I do think this has gone over better than I thought it would. Like, generally speaking. I don't th- I haven't seen anyone through the moon about this, but I have seen a lot of Spurs fans trying to sort of, I mean, for lack of a better term, making chicken salad out of chicken shit here. Like, trying to psych themselves up or talk themselves into And I've done a certain that to a certain extent, because I think you can, you know, unless you just want to be miserable all the time, like someone who's usually on this podcast with us, it's, it's you know, you don't want to write them off entirely and there's something to look for but you know I feel like and I don't think it's as bad as this but you know it certainly feels like something we did with our last coach too which doesn't engender me with a ton of hope but I am a little because I agree with you Brian I think I think Levy and the club are under enormous pressure because of how Mourinho ended because of how they, they've handled this managerial search the fact that we might be losing Harry Kane I mean I think even if we keep Harry Kane I think this is going to get incredibly ugly um, after the Euros. I think unless England just win and everyone's in a good mood, I, I think Kane, I think Kane and City are going to ratchet up the pressure um, on this. And I think even if we keep Kane, it's just going to be unpleasant. So I, I think you're right. If if we just have a slow start, you know, which you know, you know, could be a real success at Spurs and still have a slow start this year. You know what I mean? Like. So, but I think it's going to be real rough for him and the club, like, because I think fans have been pretty pissed, like, you know, the club charged what they charged after COVID ended, like, I mean, there's a lot of animosity for the club right now, and, you know, Nuno, I think, is going to, because he seems like a decent guy and isn't sort of inherently gross in the way Mourinho was, I think he's going to help with some of that, and I think you've seen some of that already, but... Boy, there's a, there are low expectations for how we're going to play under him because I think rightly there are people who just think we should have hired a better coach. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, I think I think it'll be mostly fine. I I, I don't know that it'll be as exciting as as some of the other hires could have been, but it won't be a catastrophe. I, but I don't think we're gonna blow the roofs off the, the roof off the Premier League if, if you, you know what I mean the sad thing is like there are so we're functionally I'm not going to count the league here because I don't think we're going to win the league next year but who knows but functionally Spurs can win three cups next year right there's three cups they have a realistic chance of winning next year it's the Europa Conference League the League Cup and the FA Cup and I think there's only one of those, and I would love to win any of those trophies. I'm not saying this from my perspective. From the public perspective, I think there's only one of those trophies that doesn't feel like a bit of a punchline next year 
or it doesn't become a bit of a punchline for Spurs, and that's the FA Cup. I think the League Cup is always a League Cup, and the Europe, Europa Conference League is going to be this weird thing that no, no one knows what to do with. I think it'd be super fun to win, but there's like five real teams in the competition, so it's 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 a stacked deck for Nuno. It's not great, and that's like presuming that we don't get involved in some like weird Mendez bullshit that like further taints the water. I I, I don't know. It's just. Yeah, uh, so I'd actually kind of, I, I mean, I agree with you, and I don't want to dismiss your point entirely, but I do want to talk about the George Mendez thing after this, um, because I don't think I'm as bothered by it as other people are. I am, um, I am bothered by it because it's like, like, I don't, like, putting aside, the, like, any morality or whatever, like, him getting his hooks in the club, like, the fact of the matter is, like, is he associated with any good players anymore? Certainly any good players that we could get, like, you know... I don't think we're going to become a weird player trading destination in the way Wolves did, where we're like spending forty million on weird like nineteen year olds so we can wash money for Mendez. But like, I don't know. Like that's what's so weird about this to me. All indications are between Paratici and Nuno that we are getting into bed with Mendez some to a greater than normal extent, you know. And but at the same time, we were already kind of in bed with Mendez when we had Mourinho here. And, like, we were pretty resistant. Like, Doherty's the biggest scam that, like... Like, Doherty's the biggest sort of investment we've made in, in, a, in a Mendez player, if you don't count Mourinho. And, you know, it's not great, but it's, like... It's not, like, a fortune or anything. You know, he was a fairly cheap transfer. And, you know, the other sort of weird scammy things, which, like, Gedson and... Um, Vinicius, like, we really protected ourselves on. We didn't get sucked into it. And, you know... And we, I would argue that Vinicius actually turned out okay for being a weird, scammy... Lady. I agree with you. And I think the only reason we got Getson when we did was because all of our other midfielders died, and we would have needed to play him a lot if COVID hadn't come along. Uh, you know, but because it did, and people got healthy, and we didn't need him anymore. But neither of those did we... We didn't, like, pay them, like... We didn't even pay them, like, 10 million pounds, like... I mean, we really protected ourselves on those deals. So it's like it's not like we're falling hook, hook, line, and sinker for Mendez deals. So I don't understand why we're sort of getting in bed with these people. I mean, maybe maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. Maybe I'm just hearing the name Mendez and like recoiling unnecessarily. But why why doesn't it bother you as much, Brian? Because I mean, I think agents and particularly quote unquote super agents are kind of a fact of modern football. And, like, I don't... I'm like you. I don't like the idea of us potentially being limited to, you know, only a pool of players that are represented by whatever they're called, guest afoot or whatever. Uh, But I don't think that that's how this is going to be. Like, even Wolves signed non-Mendez clients. They signed a lot of Mendez clients. But they signed some non-Mendez players. Um, and and I don't think that's how this would be at Spurs. And I just, to me, having an agent who is able to facilitate deals um if they are for good players, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just like, like you said earlier, it's kind of weird because it feels like a, a money laundering thing. 
Um, and, and, you know, but, but I don't know. I mean, Daniel Levy has been so resistant to paying ridiculous agent fees for so long, which, which is why like this last couple seasons have felt particularly weird. Like for a, a club that don't pay agent fees in the way that like Chelsea and Manchester city do, like why were we inclined to get into bed with Mendez, you know, to an extent with under Jose and why are we continuing that relationship now with well, Karatichi and, and Nuno? I mean, if I had to guess, I think there's an element of things went off the boil pretty quickly uh, after the Champions League final. And I think we're, it feels to me like we're grasping a little bit. Like things went wrong and we're trying to fix it while staying at that level. And we're, you know, like that's, I think that's why we hired Mourinho. I think that's why we're working with a guy like Mendez because we think that like we can operate at this high level. And find a way to like plug these sort of holes in the dam, for lack of a better analogy, uh, with with you know by working with him um, amongst other things. I mean, he does have some decent clients that might be available this summer that we could sign. I mean, he's got Andre Silva, who's been linked with. Well, he already went to Leipzig, Leipzig so he hasn't gone officially. Oh, yet, all right. But, well, um, you know, we got there's him. There's basically everybody that plays for Wolves. Um, Renato Sanchez. Is there anyone you want from Wolves? Like, realistically, that you'd want? Uh, no. No, I don't think so. You don't want Adama? I mean, I think that'd be super fun, but I don't... Uh, no, I don't think so. We had Aaron Lennon. We did that already. <laughs> Very different. Not In my head, I'm, like, imagining them standing next to each other. <laughs> yeah, <like>. yeah <laughs> physically very different, but, like, the, the, the end product, basically the same. It's yeah. funny because you know when you we play Wolves, I just remember like Adama like just terrorizing us, and like yeah. if you just watch that game, you'd be like, oh, he's one of the best right backs in the world. Like, how's that guy not playing for Real Madrid? And of course, he doesn't do that to everyone because everyone's not Spurs. But I, I, I don't know, man. It's just it feels underwhelming. This whole thing feels underwhelming. But because the managerial hunt was such a total disaster. We're like we're all relieved that like a that it's over, and b that we didn't hire like Piers Morgan or something like that. We hired like oh a professional football manager like he will do professional football manager things. Yeah, uh, and, and ultimately like he seems like someone who is not going to drag us into like controversy and you know like I mean the Mendes thing might but yeah I get what you're saying about him but yeah I mean like the the Mendes thing existed during his time at Wolves and can you think of a single news story about no other than just generally how scummy Mendes was yeah like there's no you're right he's not going to be doing like those Mourinho things of targeting players he's not going to be like getting in trouble you're right like he seems like a decent guy yeah and maybe we'd get less good fun trash talking quotes and press conferences but i would happily kind of go back to coach speak answers if it just meant that we got to play the good players and well, i just that. you know again it's like it's like when we brought mason on like just something at least on that end like and it's thing rule like you know it's it's nice to have a coach who talks like that i i hope he's better than how i think he's gonna go i i cannot shake the feeling that I get when I'm trying to like, you know, because I don't want to make myself miserable until I have to. When I imagine Nuno's Spurs, 
Like, I cannot help shake the feeling that I am doing the same thing that I did with Mourinho, where you're like, well, if all this stuff happens, then maybe it'll work out. But, like, you understand in your brain that's probably not all going to happen. And I feel like it's a similar... Like, I don't think it's going to be as bad as Mourinho's Spurs. I want to be very clear about that. But, you know, I think there's some good players on this team, and I think they're going to benefit enormously from a coach who has any idea what he's doing. But yeah. I just I feel like I'm talking myself into something that I know isn't true. I think that this is very much different than the Jose thing because we have recent evidence that Nuno's thing works. Yeah, but like okay, I, I understand what you're saying. We know Nuno's not gonna be like a total fucking train wreck and end in tears like as soon as possible the way we did with Mourinho. But, like, I think we have evidence there's a bit of a ceiling to Nuno. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe that has more to do with Wolves than him. But it doesn't feel that way. No, I understand that. And I I think that's probably... I think that's a valid concern. I mean, you know, I think that I would have had that concern, um, you know, if we'd hired Graham Potter. Yeah. It's just like, okay, well, how quickly can Graham Potter go from no pressure at Brighton to adjusting to the pressure at Spurs. But I think it would have been a different kind of pressure because I think there would have been an element, like, I think Potter was a more... Potter in his career feels a little bit... And it's different. It is different because Pochino had coached two pretty big clubs before he came here. Like, certainly big first division clubs in big countries. And, you know, he was also, like, an international and all that. And Graham Potter has, has done none of those things. But it feels like... Like, Potter's career feels like a progression where... Nuno's sort of like a name that's like pinging around top flight football in Europe, which in some ways is a compliment to him, but in other ways it feels like it sort of is what it is. And I think that brings a different level of pressure than like, you know, a guy who it feels like is taking another step up the pier, up the ladder or something like that. You're just worried about getting burned by another former Porto manager. I mean, I'm not. I'm worried about. Like, for me, it's, Mourinho was so miserable. When it became clear what it was going to be, it was going to be what it was going to be. And we weren't even going to, like, luck into a trophy. And we fired him, and it was just like, even with Mason, we got a little bit of this. Like, you just just wanted someone you could dream on a little bit and be like, maybe this is going to, like, turn into Pochettino. Or maybe we're going to be this, like, really fun team. We're going to get better under them. And it's like, I just don't get, and again, it might not be fair, but I just don't get that feeling off of. Nuno. It just feels like it sort of is what it is. It's going to work or it's not. Um, I mean, you could argue this is probably the best team Nuno's ever, the best collection of players Nuno's ever had. But I don't know, man. It's just, it's not exciting and maybe that's not fair to him, but it just, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking myself into something as opposed to like genuinely being excited about anything. I mean, look, I I think someone has made this point in our writer's room in the past week um and i think it was mike Haley that like all right this is the guy we got now we need to have a good transfer window so if this is the guy we got and we also have a shitty transfer window then like obviously uh this is this is a disaster like Pratici was brought in to do these football things and it didn't happen and we got a manager that we don't particularly like, and we got no cool good players. That then then we're so we're screwed. I know we've talked about this a little bit on past podcasts, but now that 
we're getting more concrete links with players. You know, what does, in terms of positions addressed, what does a good transfer window look like to you? Like, you don't have to give me players' names. And let's assume for the sake of argument, Kane's not going anywhere. I mean, okay, so we assume Kane's not going anywhere. You have to address at least two center backs, probably. You probably need a right back unless, you know, Nuno believes that he can take Doherty and make him amazing again. I think that's going to happen. Like, I, I think we might buy a right back, but, you know, I think... I mean, you should, honestly, Spurs should. Like, unless Nuno's just like, God, I don't want that help around me anymore. Like, Spurs should ask, do you think you can get anything out of this guy? Like, they absolutely should investigate yeah. that. I mean, it, it seems like Aurier might be off, so who knows if, you know, if we need another one or if Jaffa Tanganga is going to be healthy and we think he can play right back at a Premier League level. I don't know. Um, for once, I think we kind of go into a season not needing a midfielder. Um... I think in terms of... I feel with better some, with... Especially if a guy like Sabas is cheap, I feel better with another midfielder just because Lo Celso and Ndombele tend to get hurt a lot or you know can't play full games a lot. I feel better with one more midfielder. But you're right. We, you know, we have a pretty solid midfield even without a guy like Sabitzer. Yeah, and you figure you've got Skip now back to rotate with um, Hoiberg. I mean, that would, to me, I would almost rather have someone who is... A Hoiberg-like substance. Um, Let's just to avoid. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, if that's why I think midfield would probably fine. And then, you know, left back, you've got. Uh, I don't think we need to really deal with that because you know Sessegnon's coming back. I thought um, for parts of the season that. Um, wow, I've forgotten his name already. Um, Region was was good, and. So him and him and Sessegnon, I think, is an interesting left back, left wing back uh, rotation. I think I think if you're if you're talking about who benefits a lot from a Nuno hire, and if he wants to play a back three, I think Ryan Sessegnon and Sergio Reggione are, are right at the top of your list because um, they get to do all the offensive fun shit that they want to do and let zero defending. Um, and I still think you know that. Our striker problem is what it is. You still need a backup striker, whether that is, you know, you know, that seems like someone who's going to play a lot in the Europa Conference League and someone who can spell Harry Kane when he inevitably gets injured. Um, and whether that is, you know, a, a 29, 30-year-old that's comfortable coming in and sitting behind Kane or whether that's a 18 to 20, 21-year-old that's, you know, on the rise and happy to get minutes at a bigger club... I don't know what the, the right option is, but you need somebody. And you probably need another really good attacking midfielder, um, you know, just to, 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 to make that front three more fearsome. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of business. We're not going to do all that business. Well, that's not even accounting for um, who we need to sell. So. Right. So, and which I mean, is also look, not accounting for is Harry Kane leaving, which gives us... A whole new set of priorities and options. So, I mean, I think to me, you know, actual successful, a realistic successful window, two center backs, a right back, an attacker of some nature, whether that is a, a striker slash wide forward or, you know, something like, like a Marcus Taram who we've been linked with. Like, I think that's good. That's probably fine. Um, 
and yeah, I get I, maybe a midfielder, but I think you need four or five signings at least, and, and two of them almost definitely have to be center backs. Yeah, well, it's it's encouraging. It looks like this uh, guy from Bologna uh, um, is like I mean, it sounds like it's def- almost certainly going to happen, which I know doesn't mean much at Spurs, but it sounds like we're very close. And you know, I know Warren was reporting it is everyone was kind of confident it was going to get done today. So, you know, that's one down, so that's encouraging. Uh, you know, we obviously we've been linked to that Fulham center back for a long time, which is, again, not the best, but he's a warm body and can play there. So, you know. And he's, and he's I think technically he's a Lyon center back. But yeah. True, 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 true. So, he, you know, he, he, he's still probably going to cost us a decent amount of money because he didn't actually get relegated, unfortunately. I, I've never understood. Like, I understand why, like, the Kane transfer drama's on hold, but, like, you look at, like, Sancho just got transferred, and I understand that's, like, a less fraught transfer than the Kane one, but I don't understand why, like, so much gets put on hold during during international tournaments. Like, I mean, we're going to be down to only four teams left fairly soon, so... You know, we we stuff will start to happen. I think the problem for Spurs is, and in a, well, I guess a lot of clubs probably in the Premier League is the Copa is still going on. I think the Copa it goes on till the end of July. Yeah, Jesus, I feel like that tournament a has happens every year, and b like takes forever to finish. So, yeah, and the Gold Cup starting soon. Yeah, well, you know, that doesn't really case, matter. So. You know, if anybody wants to sign like Daryl DK or something like that. Um, that'd be fun. He'd be an okay backup. Yeah, striker. let's get him. Yeah, why not? We haven't had an American in a few seasons. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll be back to talk transfers and get Ben's uh, sunshine, cheery thoughts on this in a few, and probably, hopefully, next week. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll have actual preseason to talk about. Uh, right? Yeah, and uh, more Euros um, to, to discuss. Well, I think we'll know England's fate by then. So, yeah. So, uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. That is double O with two zeros. And uh, don't forget to follow our Twitter feed for the podcast at WDR Podcast. That's at that's uh, WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And leave us a five-star review because clearly we are smooth and have this all rehearsed down to a science. So for Brian. You know once. <laughs> See? See, what, it's pretty amazing that I mispronounced that name. It's still not as good as our predecessors, my predecessor mispronouncing uh, Jan, but, you know, it's, it's, it's up there. So. Jan Bertangen. Jan Bertangen. Um, yeah. So, uh, for Brian, for myself, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>